When I returned from Nepal in 2020, pre-pandemic, as soon as I got back, within days of the United States shutdown, I did a series of podcasts about my experiences in Nepal, flying to Nepal, being in Nepal, and then I even did a podcast entitled something like My Gritty Nepal Experiences or My Gritty Experiences in Kathmandu. Uh, and one of them was with a monkey and then uh, some mentally unstable woman knocking people off their scooters, throwing huge rocks at them. Uh, and then maybe, oh, yeah, some homeless guy. Uh, so, you know, that's what I did last year. And then I recently got back from Nepal, 2022. And then I, two podcasts ago, uh, was it maybe two six podcast number 266 was my sweet Nepal experiences. Just really cool things that happened this year. Uh and then my the last podcast, 267, was just about my one-handed experiences in Nepal. And that never changes. I mean, it is the One Hand Speaks storytelling podcast. So, you know, basically that's got to be there. But this, this time I'm going to tell you about a different set of not-so-cool in Kathmandu. These are some kind of just funky experiences that I had. And in all due fairness, nothing as extreme as when I went in 2020. But they they stood out enough for me to talk about. And, of course, some of them are pretty basic. They even happen here. Uh, I remember uh, in 2020, I posted something about, I posted an image of a crystal shop that was selling Moldavite. And then a guy that I'm affiliated with, with Moldavite, uh, happened to be in Kathmandu, reached out to me, and then we got together and ate at an Italian place in Tamel, uh, in the area of Tamel, um, uh, in Kathmandu. Sorry, I spaced out for a second. And uh, I kind of told him about my experience, and he's like, well, that, that happens everywhere, even in the United States. And true, so true, 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 true. As my uh, host in at the Bodhi guest house and Kathmandu would say Ramu often when he would agree with something, he's like, Oh, true, 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 true. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to talk about the basic hustle right now. This is just something that happens constantly. Uh, when I'm in Kathmandu, of course, as a, um, as a Westerner, uh, I get hit up by homeless people nonstop non-stop. And I mean, it's happening all the time anyway, but just in general, I'm a Westerner. Uh, they are constantly hitting me up. And, um, you know, I mean, it even happens here in the United States. I'm seeing a lot more of it in Boise, Idaho. They're a little more aggressive in Nepal. And I met this woman uh, at the Monkey Temple. She had a little restaurant that I ended up going to a lot, and we acquired a very good friendship. And uh, she was my shelter. I would go there and eat, and if it rained, I would show up, and I'd drink tea, and then I would, you know, do circumambulations and practice and take a break there. I was just talking to her about, like, how often I get hit up and how selective I have to be about who gets my money. And she's like, well, of course, I'm not a money machine, you know. I'm not an ATM, like, just constantly giving out money. 
And I actually wrote that down as a quote. I got a couple of cool quotes from Kathmandu and uh, that was one of them. So, I mean, there's just the straight up beggar, you know, who just comes up to me and kind of like puts out their hand or puts their hand to their mouth. They want money for food. And I gave out a lot of money. Okay, just before I go too much further into this podcast, let me let me say this. Let me let me say this. I have a friend. He does not live here in Boise, Idaho, but he makes more in a month than I make all year. And it's probably even higher. He probably makes more in two weeks than I make all year. And I remember talking to him and then later, just, I don't know, down the road sometime, I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh, I wonder what that's like to make 15 times what I earn right now. And that's an interesting consideration. What, you know, what would that be like? Well, then I went to Kathmandu. Then I went to Nepal. And yeah, that's what it's like. Because I make more in a day than most average ordinary people in Kathmandu make in a month. So, you know, I got to... I got a little taste of that. And of course, because I'm a Westerner, and I don't mean just from the United States, but just kind of first worlder, so to speak, uh, people are hitting me up for a lot of cash. So the standard beggar showing up all the time, you got to get used to it. The basic, basic, the basic hustle. Now, some of it's true. Some of it's not. You have to be selective. Not everybody got money, but I did give out a lot of money to a lot of people. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is the beggar with a hustle, <laughs> right? And that's like the hustle comes in all different kinds of ways, right? Now, I don't usually, there aren't people singing or anything like that, but, you know, one little hustle I see is that there'll be kids uh, sweeping the stairs at temples and then they want money. And then, you know, people are sweeping and cleaning temples I see other people give them money. I give money when I can or when the timing's right or however that works, you know. But then there's also like the the kids hanging out, the parents who have kids hustling for them. So they're out looking hungry, looking dirty, give me money. You know, it's really, it's an interesting thing. In 2020, I was walking down the steps of the monkey temple and there was this really cute kid totally dirty just looking hungry just like looking sad looking at me had his hand out putting money you know putting uh, his hand to his face and I was walking by some other look like Nepalese could have been Indian people and I was like yeah you never know right and this guy looked at me and he said yeah that's totally a hustle I mean in all due fairness that's a hustle and I was like okay this guy's just gonna tell it like it is and, you know, it's hard to know, and I'm not a money machine, so I give money when I can. A lot of times, in certain situations, I don't to the hustle for the kids, that kind of thing. And at uh, at Swaibunath or Swambu, or if you're local, you call it Swambu. Typically around the world, it's known as the monkey temple. Swaibunath Stupa, that's where all the monkeys are at. But I, I started to notice the same group of women, younger women. There were like three of them that were obviously in charge. One was definitely in charge. Uh, they were like 
18, 19, 20, 21. And then underneath them, they had like three or four 12-year-old girls and then four four like seven-year-old girls. And they just ran these hustles where they're always like looking sick and asking for money and just nonstop. And then here's the thing. I think at these very sacred places, which unfortunately in one aspect is very touristic, at the same time, they, they kind of need to be to support the system and all that. I think they're banking on not seeing a person again, which is the nature of tourism, right? People just show up to the monkey temple, they climb the front steps, they walk around for a little bit, they're done. Like it's a small thing for them. I went seven times. I went seven days. I, I went so much, people in Nepal were, the the people I was with and at this guest house that I stayed at at this hotel, they're like, Alejandro, what, you're going back to Sw- Swambu? And I'm like, well, yeah. And they're like, well, what else is there to see? And I said, it's not about what is there to see. It's, I'm, I'm here as a pilgrim. I'm on a religious pilgrimage. I'm there to pray. I'm there to practice. I'm there to meditate. I'm there to circumambulate, you know, do Korah. Like, I'm, I'm here to practice. I'm not just sightseeing. But part of that is you get to see the same hustle over and over. And I started to see these girls so much that they just started laughing after a while when they saw me. And then they'd want me to wave with my short side, that kind of thing. And, you know, that's when you kind of know it's a hustle. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's also kind of sad because I think, you know, in a very real way, it's there are a lot of poor people in Nepal. Um, But then, you know, like sometimes there's the bigger hustle, which is like, kind of like disabled people hanging out or parents that have uh, a mentally disabled child or, you know, physically uh, 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 just children in such bad physical shape, whether it's physical and mental or, you know, yeah, just I see a lot of kids in wheelchairs just with a box with money in it, people asking for money, parents just kind of you know, sit with their kid and beg for money, you know, just laying on the ground. I, I didn't really take a lot of images of that because I don't know how appropriate that is. But, of course, we see that here in the United States, right? But it's much more uh, 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 rampant in Nepal and in Tibet when I was in there and even, like, when I went to Indonesia. I see that a lot. And then, you know, there's, like, just disabled people, people with no hands, people with no legs, just the the full gambit, you know, like all kinds of uh, just birth defects and the results of bad accidents and, and things. I don't even know what, I can't even name them. And, and there's a lot of it, right? But, and I, I mentioned this in the last podcast, I went to Lumbini, which is the birthplace of Buddha. It's near the border of India. And again, it's very touristic. I think most people just show up for one day and leave. So, you know, the homeless population or the, the some of the hustlers, they're just kind of banking that you're only going to see them once. But, you know, I went four times. Within a three-day period, I went four times. So as soon as I got there, there's this guy. looks like he broke his ankle, and it healed bad. It was slightly bent over. He had a little gimp. 
he was carrying some like he had a bag, a plastic bag full of like um, empty water bottles. You know, that was kind of his hustle, like, oh, look, I'm cleaning up. And he's just putting his hand out and he's like putting it to his mouth, like, you know, give me food. And then the first time I saw him for the every time I saw him, because I'm, I'm circumambulating, which means I'm walking clockwise around these sacred uh areas and sacred sites and so he's seeing me a lot and he keeps hitting me up and then finally he's kind of upset that I haven't given him any money and he points down at his ankle and puts out his hand like you know I got I got a problem here you need to give me money and I just looked at him and I pointed at my arm that doesn't have a hand and I lifted up my hands like what man what do you want I mean come on like here I am I'm making it happen and then even at Lumbini there was a a woman, she looked like just like me. I looked like it was from birth, but she had a below elbow, either uh, congenital issue or, you know, it was an amputation. Either way, I kind of think she was hustling, you know, because I saw her. I saw her one day. You know, I don't think she noticed me seeing her. She had a wad of cash, you know. And who knows? Her husband could be making good money. It's hard to say. She. I don't know. I don't know. I gave her a little bit of money. She she wanted to help me open my water bottle. Of course I let her. You know, and it's interesting to watch somebody that that's physically just like me, one hand, uh two arms, two elbows, try to manipulate a water bottle. Those things can be a little challenging for me sometimes. Uh so that was an interesting moment. Um but I gave her a little money, and then I, you know, there was a guy with no no hands. I gave him some money. But that's what I mean. It's like, it's like the hustle, you know. These kids on the street acting really sick and like, oh, give me money and blah blah blah, you know. And then parents with their children, and then you know, just people with their with their tricks. You know, they're not busking. Yeah, I didn't really see any buskers. I just saw street people, homeless people, and you know people begging for money it's an interesting hustle it's an interesting hustle uh but then like there, there's a little deeper hustle i call it the tourist hustle you know there's the basic hustle and then now i'm talking about the tourist hustle which is basically they know i'm from america you know or i'm from the west Right. So, you know, and like right now, British pounds are worth a lot more than the American dollar and the euro, I think, is a little less. But, you know, there's a very good chance that they see me and they know I probably make 10 times, 15 times more than the average, the above average Nepali citizen. So when I go to buy something, it just costs an outrageous amount of cash. Right. Like, you know, trying to get a taxi, they're charging me sometimes three times as much, like two point seven times. Now, in saying that, even if I pay two point seven times more than they would charge a Nepali person, it's still considerably inexpensive for me. But some of it's a principle. Right. Like there's no reason for me to be taken advantage of. And this ain't my first rodeo, right? This ain't my first pilgrimage, yo. I've been to Nepal, uh, 2020. I've been to Indonesia. I've been to Tibet twice. Like, I kind of get it. So, uh, 
You know, here's an example from my hotel to Swaibunath Temple, the Monkey Temple, Swaibunath Stupa, the Monkey Temple, uh, early, early morning around 6 a.m. A cab ride when there's no traffic is like 600 rupees, which is uh, basically $4.50, right? And that's fairly inexpensive. Yeah, because if I had to take a cab ride in the United States for that distance, that would cost me some scratch. But, uh, you know, during traffic, it's like it's still 600 or 800. But coming back from Swaibunath Temple, I rolled up to this cab cabbie and I was like, hey, can I get a ride to uh, Bodenath Stupa? And he's like, oh, it'll be 1500. And yeah, I just I just walked off and he's like, no, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. And I was like, look, man, I paid 800 yesterday and that was paying up. So basically, that's the deal. 800. And we, you know, we we hag, uh, haggled, you know, bartered, you know, just hustled money. Basically, I gave him I gave him 900, which is like 680, you know, more than I should have paid, but not so bad any way you look at it. But even, you know, buying religious items uh not necessarily food so much but just anything on you know street vendors buying malas like you got to kind of know what's going on because yeah they just see me and in some cases they're just going to charge twice as much so you got to do some research you got to have somebody on the inside and and of course for me I'm Buddhist I'm buying um, many Buddhist things uh I need to know I need to have a connection with somebody that's Buddhist that can give me a true idea of what things cost. I don't mind. I don't necessarily mind paying up a little bit. And sometimes I can I'll just deal with it because it's so much, so much less than I would pay anywhere in the Western world. And yeah, they might be getting twice as much. My Nepali friends might be thinking I'm getting taken advantage of, but it's kind of a win win, like much less than I would pay much more than they would normally get. I win, they win. You know, it's like, you know, I make 15 times more than most of them do. And then, you know, my my aspiration is if, you know, if I was incredibly financially wealthy, I would just give a lot of money away. And I, I wouldn't do it stupidly. You know, it'd be great to create some money-making engines so I could just create money to give away. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's kind of the deal. Like, you got to be careful because they, people will take advantage of you because they, they know that they can. And they're also banking that, you know, I'm not paying attention or I'm a newbie or whatever. And, you know, so that's kind of like uh, that's kind of like the tourist hustle. And then also what happens is, you know, I'm walking around these sacred places. I'm doing practice and. You know, people want to give me stuff, right? This is kind of one of the gritty things that happened to me last year is this homeless person gave me something, said I was a good Buddhist, and then later wanted a bunch of money and cop some attitude, right? But if you're traveling the world and people want to give you stuff for free, it doesn't really work like that because then they want a donation. So basically, I don't accept free items anymore. And then here's another interesting tourist hustle. You know, I'm just hanging out and people are like, oh, hey, how's it going? Where are you from? Oh, from America. They're basically trying to start up a conversation. 
And then I'm like walking around and they're like, oh, what are you looking for? And I'll help you find it. Oh, I don't want anything. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. We go down. We're looking. You know, this happened to me looking for a belt. This guy's carrying his kid. You know, it's just I've seen this hustle so many times. And the guy's like, oh, I don't want anything. Let me help you find what you want. And it didn't matter what I said. No, I don't need your help. No, I know where a belt's at. You know, this guy's like following me, giving me directions, trying to help me out, sparking up conversation. And then finally I buy a belt and he's like, hey, I just want to talk to you. You know, I'm here with my family. We don't really have a lot of money. I couldn't find a job. You know, can you give me money? And I said, no, no, I'm not going to give you money. You said you didn't want anything and now you want something. Right? This happened to me many, many times. So now we're just, you know, we're just talking about the tourist hustle, like just being a smart tourist, you know, knowing what cabs cost, knowing what uh, items that you want to buy cost, doing research before you get there, uh, all of it, right? And then understanding how to deal with beggars and then people approaching you all the time, wanting money or wanting to sell you things, right? Here's kind of the other thing, like the tourist thing. I show up at this sacred cave. It's like the most important uh Buddhist cave uh, that Pamasambhava lived in. This is deep Buddhism here. Outside of Tibet, this is said to be the most important cave in, of Pamasambhava in Nepal, right? And as soon as I walk up there, you know, I'm not even there four seconds when two guys basically come out of nowhere with all this stuff they want to sell. And they're like, oh, looking at me, like showing me items. And I basically said, stop, stop. I'm here as a pilgrim. I'm here to practice. L let me do my practice first before you start hitting me up, you know. And uh, everywhere that I went, all the sacred sites, and it, it, it's difficult to deal with, but you got to be okay with it because that's what it is. People constantly wanting to sell me stuff and really like pushing it, pushing kind of hard. Not as hard as Indonesia, that's for sure, but pretty hard. So you got to be good at saying no, and you got to be stern. And then it's also a good idea to just keep small money on one side and bigger money on another, just so you're not always pulling out your wad and this kind of thing and your wad of cash, right? And, but yeah, it's kind of a thing, like, you know, just walking up, like walking up to the monkey temple, 400 steps there are just so many little side vendors and everyone is oh hey buy this oh come look at this looky looky no buy you know looky looky no money uh, help me out just you got to be okay with it or it's hard you know you can't do the things that you want to do you can't do the things that you want to do and here here's here's some of it let me let me just say this i realize that a lot of Nepal is like almost first world. And if it's second world, it's low end, you know, second world. Nepal's pretty high up there, or Kathmandu. But the money conversion's pretty high. And people are just trying to make a living. You know, it's one thing for me to get through day to day, right? But for these people, if they don't make a certain amount of money, they might not make it to the next day, you know? I mean, my cab driver lives in a one bedroom just he lives in one bedroom with his wife and two kids and it's a small bedroom like most people in america wouldn't deal with couldn't deal with those kind of conditions and i mean it's a small room i was 
I was surprised. I was surprised. But he was kind enough to take me into his home and share food with me. And and, and that meant a lot. That meant a lot to me. So uh, I gave him a, a I gave him some money because, you know, he's got some bills to pay and he's working hard, you know, living that way so he can buy a house for his mother and family and things like that. And, you know, most people are struggling pretty hard in Kathmandu. So I get it. But that doesn't mean I always have to give out money. That doesn't mean I have to be taken advantage of, right? I just, you know, you got to be a smart traveler. You got to be a smart international traveler. You got to know your stuff and you got to, you know, you got to, you got to keep it real. You got to keep it real. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, the last thing I want to talk about, this, this is obviously one of my longer podcasts. The last thing I want to talk about is what I'm calling the kidney thief, right? <laughs> and of course, you know, this does happen. Usually I think people are selling their kidneys or their, you know, some internal organ or, you know, one of the two organs that they have for money or whatever. However, most urban myths have a foundation in truth, and I'm sure this has happened, right? I call this the kidney thief situation. And this this actually happened to me. I was doing practice around Bodhanath, uh, Bodhanath Stupa, the most famous stupa in Nepal with, with the eyes people are very familiar with. And this very beautiful woman came up to me. Now, mind you, she came up fast and hard, but she rolled up to me and she was like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, are, are you here by yourself? Or, you know, where are you staying at? You know, are you staying at like, and she started naming off these hotels, right? And uh, one of them was, the, of course, the one I'm staying at, but I'm like, no, I'm, I'm around here somewhere. I'm just trying to be really vague. And she was very attractive and she was very close to me she's matching my pace and I, I got a pretty good clip you know I'm, I'm circumambulating I'm doing mantra and obviously she didn't care that I was meditating you know she just wanted to strike up this conversation she shook my hand and she didn't want to let go uh and then she was like oh well you know I uh you know my husband died like 10 years ago and I'm really lonely and I don't live that far from here and she's like would you like to come over for tea and <laughs> You know, I was just like, no, because all I could think in my head was kidney thief. And, you know, before I went to Nepal uh, this year, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine about this kind of situation. And he was like, oh, yeah, kidney thief. And then he he he, he brought up uh, one of the X-Men movies where um, this beautiful mutant tricked the security guard and she slipped some metal fluid into him that got absorbed into his body and magneto when the security guard encountered magneto magneto looked at the security guard and he said never trust a beautiful woman especially if she shows interest in you and then magneto did his magnetic power thing and killed the dude and escaped and all that That's all I could think about, right? Now, of course, you know, I could be torpedoing love at first sight or whatever, but, you know, I got to follow my gut. I got to follow my instinct. And my instinct told me that if I go to this woman's house, I'm going to, it's going to be a kidney thief situation. And basically, what I mean by that is there's a very good chance I'm going to get roofied and I'm going to wake up and 
everything's going to be gone. I could be hanging out on a park bench in my underwear or, you know, lying on the street or in an apartment. And this has happened before. You know, I met two girls that came back from Europe and they said, yeah, they. I think I was in Seattle at the time or it could have even been Boise, but they were like, oh, yeah, we we were on a train in Europe. We accepted these drinks from these guys, unopened drinks. Right. And uh, yeah, they you know, they passed out and these guys took all their gear. Right. And they got no passport, no money, nothing. Everything's gone. I don't want to be a statistic. Right. Could it happen? Will it? Who knows? Who knows? All I know, better safe than sorry. And, you know, when she didn't get what she wanted from me, she was as she was gone as fast as she showed up. And that's when I kind of knew, OK, I played that card right. And this other time, you know, I'm walking on the outskirts. I'm like spending time walking the streets of Kathmandu outside of Bodenoth Marketplace, trying to see what else is out there on the perimeter, seeing if I can find great deals or, you know, just something not in the mainstream. That's kind of my thing. And I was walking around and this woman, she had a look like, I don't know, maybe 15 or 16 year old daughter and an eight year old daughter. And they were just kind of walking by me and she looked at me and then she double taked as soon as she passed me. And she's like, hey, she's like, she's like, you are a very beautiful man. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. She's like, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from America. And she's like, oh, wow, that's great. She's like, oh, wow, you don't have two hands. She's like, she's like, would you like to come over and have tea with me? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, thank you. You know, and she's like, you don't want to come over and, and help my young daughter? And I was like, you know what? I don't know where this is going. I don't know what any of that means. But in my head, I just, I, no. No, thank you. I appreciate the invitation, but... I'm gone. And I just walked off and, and, and left it at that. Like, you know, those are crazy situations. Those are cra crazy situations. And, you know, the thing is, is most people wouldn't think something like that would happen until it happens to them. You know, even, even though it's happened to people I know, you know, we still don't think about it that much, right? Like, I remember when I was in Tibet, right? When I was in Tibet, uh, and we're we're outside of Potala Palace, right? This is the hundreds of years of Dalai Lamas living in this uh, palace. It's absolutely beautiful. It's incredibly huge. There's a beautiful museum there, and they have a market on one section. And I'm at this marketplace, and uh, I'm with my friend that I'm on a pilgrimage with, uh, Daniel, and we're hanging out. We're having a good time. We meet some Tibetan women in the marketplace. They have shops there. And, you know, next thing you know, they're like rallying. There's like seven of them. We're having a good time. They're all like slightly touchy-feely, but just happy to be hanging out with American men or Western men. And my, you know, my friend's from France, but he lives in Vietnam. But, you know, it's just this thing like we kind of got caught up on in. And then I just had a moment. I was like, where's my backpack? Right. And I because we were sitting down and I was like, I just looked at Daniel and I was like, do you have your backpack? And he's like, I just grabbed it. And I was like, yeah, I just grabbed mine, too. Now. Were we going to get scammed? I don't know. You know, this is not an uncommon thing where you have people distracting you and then other people taking stuff. Right. 
uh, attractive women playing us up, and then kids run by and grab our stuff. Don't want to deal with it. So always keep my bag close to me, you know, on my A game, got my spidey senses working, the the tingle, the spidey tingle, that kind of thing. And just, just playing it, you know, don't, I basically don't accept open containers from people. You know, I open all my drinks. It's just, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate, but I'd rather not wake up on a park bench looking down, knowing I got one hand. Don't want to realize now I have one kidney. (laughs) So, yeah, these kind of things happen everywhere. Of course, they happen in the United States. You know, all these hustles are not uncommon. But that's some of the not so cool, right? Some of the not so cools in Kathmandu, Nepal, but basically anywhere. Anywhere, America, USA, global, anywhere in the world, that kind of stuff happens, my friends. Okay. Well, there we go. There we go. I'm back in Boise now, and uh, I I think I'm still going to do just a couple more podcasts about Kathmandu. I had such a great time. Oh, you know, I I don't talk too much, too deeply about kind of the, well, the, the Buddhist aspect of my life, which is a huge part, but I was on a Buddhist pilgrimage. I went to the birthplace of Buddha and uh, two very prominent caves of Pamasambhava. And uh, yeah, I went to the monkey temple, the Swaibunath Stupa, and many other sacred sites in Kathmandu and uh, many cities, small towns around Nepal and Lumbini, of course. And I just had a most phenomenal, profound experience. Um, yeah, this pilgrimage was really very, very special. And I, I got to spend 15 days there, 16 days, which was great. Two days to get there, arduous. Two days to get back, super tough. And uh, three days rest time and then back at work. So I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to my next pilgrimage, hopefully Tibet 2023, but, you know, could be Nepal again. Would love to go back to Nepal. So we'll see, my friends. We will see. Thanks for tuning in. This is uh, Alejandro Anastasio with the One Hand Speaks Storytelling Podcast. See, I told you, he's strange and wonderful. Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is Alejandro with One Hand Speaks. Find me online at onehandspeaks.com and all your social media outlets.